to Bibby, has the open shot. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on NBCSportsCalifornia.com. I am James Ham, and joining me, this is a rarity. Uh, since Dave Yeager's been the coach, we don't usually get assistant coaches, but today we have Brian Gates. So nice to have you. I'm glad I'm the first one, I guess. There it is. You are the first assistant. I mean, during the George Carl era, we had guys on, uh, John Welsh and um, Corliss Williamson, but uh, every coach is different with what they like to do with their assistant. So I- I'm glad I'm getting an assistant coach. It's nice to have you on. Well, thanks, Coach Yeager. There we go. Yeah. So this is your second tour of duty. We were just discussing this. Your second tour of duty in Sacramento. Um, you were here under the Paul Westfall regime for a year. Um, how much has things changed here in Sacramento? Because it's a whole different world, right? It's a complete different world. Um, it was my first job in the NBA. Um, we were obviously at Arco. I think it was actually called Arco. We had the practice facility was there. Jeff Petrie was the GM. And Coach Westfall had just taken the job. And hired me in summer league and uh, met our draft pick Tyreek Evans and he went on to have a pretty productive year and got rookie of the year. You got to see Tyreek. Does he look like a completely different player now? Because I mean he's so much more consistent with the three ball. I know my first season covering the team he started struggling with the three. His brothers brought in Keith Vaney the shot doctor to work with him but He's just so much more confident and mature in his game now, uh, and he's healthy, which is nice to see. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm a, um, I've known Tyreek a long time. I, it's it's kind of ironic. I left here and went to New Orleans, and then we traded for him, and he went to New Orleans, and then I came back here, and then we traded for him back here. So <laughs> it's like uh, I told you I saw him in Memphis. I go, I might be in Memphis in two weeks. You never know with our history. But uh, to me, he is back to his old um, – his ball control is a lot better. His his jump shot is a lot more fluid, and I think that a little bit too is is you know he's his body's matured a little bit more than 19, 20 year old, you know, obviously coming out as a freshman, um, and, and I think that the game has slowed down for him a little bit where, where he's able to pick and choose his spots. But he did tweak it. He he worked on it a lot when when he hit New Orleans. Um, I guess maybe his fourth year. Um, you could tell that he was in the midst of really trying to refine his shot. But he looks good. I, I'm, I'm happy for him because if, if people really don't know him, he's a really good guy, yeah, very quiet. Guy. You know, yeah. he's a quiet, keeps to himself, um, has a has a different motivation and a different, um, you know, uh, level of intensity than, than – you know, he doesn't really show it, but he does really care. Um, and uh, I'm happy for him. He's a really good guy, and, and uh, I'm glad to see him healthy because he struggled there for a couple years with, with, with the health. Yeah, the legs, he, he really did lose his leg. Now, this coaching staff in particular, Dave Yeager, um, yourself, you guys are guys that came through. You put in the work to get here. Right. You, you guys came from the minor leagues. What is your sort of, like in a nutshell, how many places, how many places did you, did you coach? How long did it take you to get through the system to get up into the NBA? One thing that, and it doesn't happen anymore, and I wish it did for for coaches 
that kind of had that want to go on that path is there was you know there was always this you know it's it's the g league now but it was the cba yeah that was the trip basically in baseball terms of triple a but then there was other leagues like the usbl that happened in the summertime um in, in probably equivalent of the double a and then, then there are some little single a teams and and so i was fortunate to um I, I would be an assistant coach in the cba and then i right when the cba season was over there was a double a the usbl and i'd go be a head coach there and i did that for for four years so my, my big term is I, w- I was in minor league basketball for 11 years but did 16 seasons wow and so and then there was one point i, th- I think i moved 13 times in eight years Wow. Where I would, if I went to Boise and then I would go back to Enid, Oklahoma, then back to Boise, then to Enid, Oklahoma, and then had a couple stints in Hickory, North Carolina, and <laughs> kind of stuff like that. That, if you know, it's I don't want to say will coach for food, but it was you know it was close. I, I did. Um, I was in the USBL in Florence, South Carolina, and Dave Yeager was the head coach in Cedar Rapids, and we were having some financial problems. I did give him a player for a steak dinner. That was the, that was the unofficial trade. So really, yeah, it was, we've, we've had, we've had some great stories and, and, um, but, uh, yeah, we, we've, uh, there's, there's an NBA player named Jamario moon. That obviously he's retired. Jamario and I, uh, I coached against Jamario in six different leagues. Wow. So I actually did a little quick stint in Venezuela and he was down there playing and I coached against him in Venezuela. No, so, you have triplets. I do. Like- I do. That's a, that's a, the biggest difference probably for me from Sacramento. When I was here, I was newly married, and it was just her and oh. I, and we rolled back in with six-year-old triplets. <laughs> that's got to be uh, difficult as a as an assistant coach in the NBA to have kids, especially young kids, and, you know, you never know where the next stop is right. going to be. Yeah, and, and, and that's the – that's we. My wife and I've been married ten years, and um, I've moved her six times. And um, wow! And it, but it's always the last couple have been harder because it wasn't. But the the, the first ones were um, from Austin to Boise. I was an assistant coach to a head coach, and then I got to the NBA, and then I got a bigger job in New Orleans. Uh, and so that was always good. And and then the last couple, you know, when when Coach Williams got fired, and then when when Coach Saunders in Minnesota passed away, those are the hard ones that. Uh, you know, there's there's a little adversity there, and for the moving. But yeah, the the kids the kids like it. They think we're going to Houston like in two years, just there because we live in every <laughs> other city. So they 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 think we're just going to be on the move again. Is there something to that vagabond lifestyle that you bring to uh, to the court that you you're able to express to players that like, look, this is we've put in the work and we've we've had to move and we've had to you know, stay long hours and drive the team bus and trade players for a steak dinner. Is there something to that that you can bring here to the, the Kings organization? Yeah, a little bit. I, I think with, with our youth, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, I, you know, Justin Jackson and, and I've become kind of close and, and, and him going to, you know, go to and from Reno, you know, and I'm like, Hey man, you went to North Carolina you probably were treated pretty good there. You know, the, the NBA lifestyle is very demanding and it's very taxing um, on your bi- mind and body. But, man, wait till you get to the G League. And, you know, the, he went down there and and uh, it was a four-game road trip. And it's not like, you know, the, the L.A. to Charlotte. That's the, the, It was, I think that he went Erie, Pennsylvania to Lakeland, Florida to – <laughs> a gr- you know, I think uh, to to Greensboro, South uh, to North Car- Greensboro, North Carolina, and that that that's, you know, there's not a direct flight, you know, and you're in commercial, and and, and it's it's 
it's uh, that part's taxing. And, you know, to answer your question, I, I think we can help them with that kind of stuff and the grind of it. And then, you know, the appreciation of, of the of the NBA, it's 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 uh, if if you ever saw Bull Durham, it's like when he has that discussion and he looks at all those guys and says, "You hit white balls for batting practice." Yeah, we get uh, we get orange <laughs> balls for shooting practice. Uh, it's an amazing journey, I assume. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 been great. Wouldn't change one stop, one moment of it. Um, I've met I've met some lifelong friends. You know, um, I my biggest struggle with our staff is I sometimes forget when. I'm assistant coach and our head coach is head coach, or I have to differentiate between B Gates and Yeggs when we're just like we've always done. I mean, we, we you know, we've always, you know, just, we're just trying to make it at 25 year old, 26 year old assistant coaches on $15 a day per diem at a summer league in Long Beach. I mean, we just, you know, I think we all start that way. And, um, I think the appreciation. I think I. I know that. I, I hope the players can see it in us that, that that you know, you know, quote unquote. We try to bring it every day for that appreciation. And looking at Tick and looking at Bob Thornton, you guys, you guys seem like a family. Yeah, you guys oh yeah, have been together yeah, for a long yeah. time. You guys do seem like a family. Yeah, I mean, Bob is. Uh, you know, I. I can't remember what Bob was coaching in Quad City, and I was in Boise, and we've been friends. He came over for Super Bowl Sunday just because we were playing him the next day, and you know, and I think the stories out there was. I was Tick's assistant and then went back to the CBA and then he went and took the head coaching job where Coach Yeager was and Dave was his assistant. So it's, you know, and he's, you know, we don't ever want to say he's our second dad because we both of us just have one father. But, you know, Tick's up there. Tick's up there in a, definitely in a mentor situation. And, and, uh, and yeah, it's uh, we definitely look at, you know, the, the road trip. Our road trips are very enjoyable just because we do get along. You guys have such a young team. How has that been different? I guess is it something that you draw on your your CBA roots to go back to a point where you might have had so many young players, or is there really no way to really compare this to anything? Because I mean, as far as NBA, I don't think there's ever been a team with two, basically what four first rounders one year, five right. first rounders yeah. in the second round of the yeah. next year. I mean, you're looking at nine or ten young players that. Uh, all on their their rookie scale rookies, yeah and, and, and james that's a great point is that we we went and played cleveland new orleans this year you know just on a two-game road trip out there and they did not play one guy in their rookie scale contract yeah a minute and um even even last night um against charlotte i, I think they had two i mean it, well they have a second round pick so yeah and, and bogey is still you know a, a rookie um you know they they played three guys Jeremy Lamb Kaminsky and and the Graham and Trevon Graham and so it's it is hard and it's um, the thing about minor league basketball is you usually get four year guys yeah you know and so that there's a little bit of a difference so we have a lot of Justin Jacksons maybe Bogdan Bogdanovich's older guys with some experience and I mean I, I remember Tyreek's rookie year he was asking me about car insurance and he didn't understand why he paid 175 dollars a month in car insurance. <laughs> and I paid fifty eight. Well, his car is a lot more expensive than mine. But you're also nineteen years old, and well, yeah, you know I'm, I'm thirty three with with a wife. So and Demarcus Cousins came here. He didn't even know how to drive a car. Yeah. And Nick Stauskas, he would walk across the parking lot because he had never driven a car. Yeah, it's you know, De'Aaron's just. I mean, I was in Minnesota the year before we came here, and we were kind of the same situation. We had a very young team as Car Anthony Towns' rookie year. Tyus Jones was a rookie, and and Wiggs and Zach, Andrew Wiggins and Zach Levine were in their second year, and 
and we tried to go to a restaurant as a team function in Utah, and we couldn't get in because we had like six guys under the age of 21. Yeah. But, you know, to kind of answer your question, it, it is hard. You, when you have in, in minor leagues, the, the door is a little bit more revolving, so you're always teaching the simple stuff, and we keep doing that here. We're, we're, we're teaching the simple stuff. And I know, I know it might not look out from the outside, but we're to the point where guys are starting to realize their mistakes. Yeah. And like, that was my help, wasn't it? Yep. And a month ago it was like, that's your help. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like scouts, you know, and we have a big problem giving up, you know, the three-point shot right now. Mm -hmm. And it's just like we don't – we realize it's our help or it's our assignment or something, and so we go do it while we're we're thinking and not reacting. And so by the time we get back to the situation of our guy – you know, the shots hit the hands and it's off. So I, I think that stuff will, will take care of itself. But it, it does. It, it just, it's the reinforcement of it every day. And you're starting to see the improvement, right? Because, I mean, while you guys are on a rough stretch right here, right before that you guys were on a pretty good stretch right, where right. you were seeing massive improvement. I mean, you're seeing Buddy Hill. Uh, I mean, his improvements on the defensive end are remarkable this season. Bogdanovich, you're seeing him find his what his sea legs in the NBA. Right, no question. Willie Cauley-Stein is just absolutely developing in front of everybody's eyes, but you're starting to see the hard work pay off. Right, right. and, and you, you talk to any NBA person, and, and you know, Bogey, like you said, Bogey and Buddy, the fortunate thing with their being young players is, you know, Buddy's a four-year guy. Bogey's played some NBA. Willie was didn't come out as a freshman, but now he's in his third year, and the yeah. game slows down. It really – you know, and just for any any of us in the occupation, it's you rush it, you rush it, you rush it, and then when things start slowing down and you get in your rhythm and you get in your schedule, it just helps you. And the game's really slowing down for Willie, and, and it's enjoyable. And it's, um, you know, he, he, if you know Willie, he's such of a good dude. Like he is one of my favorite just people in general. And to see his level of excitement when things start are working or start working together for him is incredible. Is there any of these young players that you see something in that's special that maybe you haven't seen before? Or you think that their ceiling is so incredibly high, or do you like? Are they like your children? You love them all equally? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you could. I, I I'll tell you, there's some surprises. Like I, uh, Frank Mason is a tough dude. Yeah, um, people aren't going to see it, but you know, Harry, Harry Giles has a uh, Giles has a uh, a level of he's got some nasty in him that we really need. Like he's got a little bit of like a, I don't want to say Draymond Green, but he's got a fire to us that I I think really will help us um, from a team standpoint. And, and you know, I don't want to say that, but like Nearham Fox is fast. I didn't know he was that fast. He's just yeah. fast. I mean, he's just um, and. Uh, but no, I, I think um, I, I think the the ceiling is unlimited for for that group, and and you know, Buddy Heald has a skill, like he, he can shoot the basketball, and he, Buddy Heald can do something better than I can ever do anything. Like I don't know if I'll ever be able to do anything in my life the way that that guy can just flip his right wrist. Yeah, I mean it's it's incredible. It's you know, it's the golfers, the Ernie L's, the best swing ever. You know, it's just, you know, to be able to throw a split-finger fastball 101 miles an hour. I mean, Buddy Heald has that talent. So, um, uh, yeah, I didn't and, – and Bogey – I'll tell you one thing. But from, from, a, from a playing standpoint, Bogey's, Bogey's hit the fast-forward button faster than I, I think we really thought. Yeah, he's impressive. Okay, I don't want to keep you all day. I know no. you, you got a, a busy schedule. 
Um, but where do you see this team in two years? How, how do you see them progressing? I mean, you've been someone who's taken just about any, any style and group right. of players and developed them. But, I mean, can you see an arc for this there's, team? No, there's no question. We, um, when I, my first year, when I left here, I went to New Orleans, and we had Chris and David their la- for their last year. And, you know, they had just hung, ar- hung around the – Six to ninth seed, six to tenth seed, and and we and we were the seventh that year, and then the the lockout hit, and Chris left. And make a long story short, like we hit the they hit the reset button. You know, they traded Chris. You know, we made a obviously a huge move um, last year w- with the Demarcus Cousins trade, and you're just you're reevaluating. I don't think you want to. I don't think we hit the reset button. We just reevaluated what we were doing. And we were the eight seed the third year. It was Golden State's first mm-hmm. champion. We, we we played them in it, and um, I I, th- I think that's where we could be. You know, it's it's for anybody to think that you're going to go from thirty wins to forty to fifty in two years. It's it's hard. Yeah. I mean, here's, like here's a here's something very, like Denver's going to try to win the game on Saturday. Like we we were like, what what, what the Kings got to do this and this this. Cool. But hey, man, you know Denver's really going to try to win the game. I mean, the 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 Horn uh, the Hornets have three guys on their team that have been paid financially very well, and Batum, Howard, and Kemba Walker at some point in their careers, they're yeah. established, very good players. Yeah, uh, Denver kind of has the same. And so, um, but to to answer your question, Dave, I, I can see us teetering around. You know, let, let's 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 make an. You know, somewhere in that area, let's let's be one of those teams that the game. You know, I don't want to say that every game matters every day, but we had to beat San Antonio in New Orleans on Game 82 to get into the playoffs. And the reason why we did is because we beat Oklahoma City December, or excuse me, January 21st on the last second shot to give us the tiebreaker. We both had 45 wins. We became the eight seed. And that year, man, every game mattered. Every game prep, every shoot around, every practice mattered. And I, it matters a different way now. And I can't wait for that level. Because if you want your team to grow, put yourself in a playoff hunt. That's where you really, really grow. And, and uh, they went through it in Memphis, and, and we went through it in New Orleans. When I mean they, the staff did, and it's great. Like you want to, and, and I think they've the, the history of the Kings. It's happened here, but <coughs> when, when when every friggin' minute matters on the key to your success, it, your ability to grow uh, definitely hit the fast forward button. There we go. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, it, sir. It, you're Appreciate the first it. assistant to come through, Brian <laughs> Gates, uh, Sacramento Kings assistant coach. Welcome back to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California. I am James Ham. Joining me for the second portion of the podcast, Mr. Doug Christie. DC, what's up, man? Hamster, what's happening, man? Just, uh, man, enjoying this beautiful, because I'm glad I'm not back in the Northeast, uh, this beautiful uh, California weather, my friend, yes. Isn't it beautiful? I mean, we've had a couple of days. I know New New Year's Day was like, I don't know, felt like it was like sixty five degrees and just gorgeous. I mean, it's bizarre the weather that we're we're getting while the East Coast is. Uh, what are they calling that thing? Like a 
a snow bomb or a, a yeah it's it's got some yeah, i think bomb bomb is the word i think it's more like a snow blizzard with a taste of hurricane i think that's yeah, what i'm gonna call it a weather bomb i think is that what they're calling it yeah like it's so cold you know i was in new york a couple of years ago for all-star weekend and it was so yeah. cold that you couldn't walk a city block without having to duck into a coffee shop because your face was frozen I mean, it oh. it was like negative seventeen with wind chill. It was so cold. I, yeah. I've never been in weather that cold, where like you got you got where you were going and you felt like your ear might snap off and just break. <laughs> yeah, that is out of control, man. But that's why I'm happy that we are in California. I think we all should be happy we're in California. All right, so Doug, let's get down to it. The Kings have had a couple of things going on here. First of all, three game losing streak. Um, we're going to talk about that a little bit here today. It's a frustrating losing streak because they're not good teams and the Kings haven't looked good. And, uh, you've been through this before. How do you snap out of these funks? What do you do to break it up? Because clearly there, it's not that they don't want to win, but there seems like somewhere in the middle of a game, something happens and this team just starts to sputter and then they they start to sputter worse and then they fail and i'm just wondering what is it that you're seeing and what have you seen in the past that could sort of get them out of something like this you know i i really think it's the the focus on the little things the intensity uh and uh, you know we had I talked to Coach Yeager. It's not like he's saying, "Look, it's not the effort," and I and I understand that. But it's the the little tiny things that you have to focus on. Being late on rotations and different things. When you're down 20 points, Ham, you, you can't allow people to walk the ball up the basketball floor. You have to pick them up full court. You have to deny the wings. You have to, if you're going to settle for anything, it's going to have to be something going to the basket. And when when we did get a chance to talk to Coach Yeager, he he was ta- we were talking about the three-pointers and the, the fact that it is difficult right now because teams are shooting three-pointers on the Kings and this is a big problem. And he said, you know what? It's actually the straight-line drive. So the three-pointers are a byproduct of the inability for Kings to keep uh, pl- uh, offensive players in front of them. So these are little fundamental things. And I think there's a level of communication that needs to step up, Ham. And how do you fix those things? Uh, you, you focus on the little tiny things you go back to your fundamentals you make sure that that you are very great you kind of have to you have to overdo it to bring it back to the baseline you know what i mean so that means that picking up full court the intensity on the defensive end talking and communication has to be uh, out of control and you got to see kings flying around the floor on the defensive end and when you see that helping the helper all those talking and you got to overdo it and when you overdo it then you'll start to beat those teams that you're supposed to beat because, in my opinion, these last three are teams that the Kings definitely could have beat. I I completely agree with all of that. And I think, you know, Garrett Temple kind of stepped out during his post-game interview the other day, and he went hard. And, you know, he really went hard at his team about their lack of defensive intensity. And, you know, they, uh, you know, he, he... he didn't mince words, and so mm-hmm. I was able to hit him up, and he brought something up about the communication piece that I think you and I, uh, we've talked about 
but not about the Kings, but about our own kids. And I found mm-hmm. it really interesting. He said, look, we're, I'm a millennial and I don't, I don't think he knows what some of the younger guys are, whether they're millennials or they're whatever they're calling it, gen, whatever now. Um, but he's like, they don't communicate at all in, in regular life. They don't communicate. They get on their phones, they text, they Instagram, there's no communication. They put their heads down in a room and they look down at a device or they've got their earbuds in. He said, so now we get them on the court and we're asking them to do something they're not comfortable with. And, and I know, I mean, you and I have talked about this, how our kids really don't even know how to talk on the phone. They know how to hold a <laughs> phone. They know how to text. They know how to you know, Snapchat and Instagram, they don't know how to look someone in the eye and have a conversation. And when they get on a a field or a court, they struggle with this basic component of communication. And I thought it was really an interesting piece to what, what Garrett had to say. And he said, look, we're just trying to teach and trying to everyone pull on the same string, but it's really tough when you got two guys yelling and then they're the two guys out front and they're not the two, the three guys behind that are getting, you know, that their players are setting picks and, and just crushing people because you're not communicating just basic signs. Um, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Cause I thought it was interesting. You know, well, obviously I, I've said this many times, whether it's, it's training or whatever uh, we've seen communication quote unquote in, increase in our in our generations but it really hasn't decreased because communication has decreased because yeah the devices has increased but the actual physical communication has not and that that's troubling when you walk in a gym now when i when i was younger you would walk in the gym and there would be one ball maybe two balls and then you'd have to play together and play against each other and it, it, it the fight for the ball a lot of different things increase well now everyone has their own headsets everyone has their own basketball everyone has their own trainer everyone so it, it's separate yeah you know some of the skills and different things may rise but if you can't apply those skills it doesn't really work so the, the thing that I was saying yesterday on the radio and I was talking about this ham is the the ability for Golden State to do it the ability for San Antonio to do to do it you have to build a culture so maybe some of those things like you talk about uh, iPhones and different stuff in your own headset that maybe the culture is that that you you can't do that here you got to put those down because this is a this is a culture about communicating and maybe you have to create that type of culture that is conducive to the type of communication that that will allow the kings to become better because if you do not this is it's not a good thing it will not uh, it will not work I, i don't care what you do if you do not communicate on the defensive end of the floor and there are levels to communication there are verbal communications there are signal communications but then there's also just the the physical communication that happens because we do it so much that we don't even need to talk anymore we know and those are those are light years ahead of where the kings are right now these are the basic fundamentals of communication that garrett is speaking to and i would have to agree with him yeah yeah i i actually was on with uh with on another radio show this week uh with the rise guys and they're like, man, I, I don't get that. I, I You know what? To be honest with you, every team in the league has has young players. 
And I think the difference that people are missing is we've talked about this a little bit when it comes to just overall with this team, but it's the inundation of of young players. It's that there's 10 of them. It's that there are 10 of them that don't communicate. So when you look at a Spurs team and you say, well, DeJounte Murray seems to be communicating just fine. He's a young player. Or Kyle Anderson. And you're like, but wait, wait. They don't have 10 of them. They don't have, or even seven of them, or five of them in the rotation. I mean, we're talking about at least half of the team playing every single night is either a first, second, or third-year player. And, you know, I want to see a guy like Scalabissier go out there and play through some of this, right? But at the same time, I think there is a direct correlation between the team's struggles and increased minutes for some of these young players. And you don't want to just point fingers and say, you know, what are you doing wrong? But at the same time, there has to be some accountability. And I think that's what people need to realize when someone does go to the bench and they sit for three days or or three games, um, you know, be it Justin Jackson or Malachi or Scal, that there's a reason why. There's a, a component that's missing that the coaching staff is searching for. They're trying to work with these people, with this young group. But when someone continues to make the same mistakes, there has to come a point where you have to say, look, being accountable means that you can't do the same exact thing wrong every single time. And so for Garrett Temple to step up and say some of this stuff to me, I thought it was great. I think it's the reason why they brought Garrett Temple into this team. It's the reason why they need him to stick around after this season. Um, and I, I really do. I like the leadership quality here. And I like that, you know what, his teammates hear that because part of being in your own world and in your own phone is that you see all of that stuff coming across Twitter and Facebook and all these other avenues where it's like, oh man, is Garrett talking about me? Because I don't want him talking about me. If that's me, then I need to figure this out. And so I'm excited that they have a leader who does stuff like this. I just hope that he sticks around after this year. Yeah, you know, it, it's there. He's using the medium of social media and different things to say the same thing that a teammate would look you in your eye and tell you because that is the level of communication. When you speak of Dejounte Murray and San Antonio Spurs, you're absolutely correct, uh, Ham, in in the aspect that you, you got to know that he has ten veterans around him and he is one young player. So when he goes to the bench. He is sandwiched in between two voices that are telling him what needs to be said from the coaching standpoint, and they're not coaches, they're his peers. Well, now when you go to the bench and you got 10 young guys, on one side you might have a veteran, but on the other side you got somebody who's just like you, who's looking down, who's looking around, and it's not being reinforced forced on by your peers as much because they don't know and you don't know what you don't know so yeah it's it's coming but it's going to take longer especially when you talk about communication uh millennials and all these different things those aren't excuses those are just absolutely pure facts that the kings have to deal with that's right there uh there are reasons and there are excuses and this seems to be a reason why the sacramento kings have moments where they're struggling um, as opposed to just an excuse. And I know a lot of people get frustrated. They're like, well, you know, the coaching staff has an excuse for almost everything or, or you're putting forth an argument that really is, you know, that, you know, that, that seems to be like a team laden thing. It's like, look, you're, I'm there every day. I mean, I see these guys and I see that 
it's not that they're not working. I mean, for people who don't know this, Yorgos Papianis is working harder than almost any player I've ever seen come through Sacramento. He is there mm. working so incredibly hard to get better. Scalabissier, there is not a single practice that after the practice is done, he doesn't go over and work with one or two coaches for another 30, 40 hour, hour and 20 He's in the gym the whole time. Buddy Heald shoots millions of shots. Malachi Richardson is doing every single thing that you would possibly want from a young player to get better. And so you just have to, I, I want to point out that they're doing the work because I see it. And then on mm-hmm. top of that, there are some issues here that go beyond basketball, that there are issues that maybe aren't as simple and easy to fix. You know, and again, I, I think if you look at the AAU culture, um, it, it's a lot of coaches just screaming and yelling, you know, telling a player specifically what to do every moment that they're on the court. Uh, I'm guilty of it as a parent watching my son, you know, adjusting him on the court, on the field while I'm standing in the stands or standing on the sidelines coaching. Um, and, and I just think that at some point players need to, I don't know, the, the accountability will fall on them 100%. But we also have to understand that this is the culture that they've been raised up in as basketball players, and it's something that isn't easily broken, and it's not something that you can just say, hey, you know, you're going to do this now. You're going to scream out, you know, scream coming left or scream coming right every moment that you're on the court. Um, and, you know, I hope that, that people do show patience because I know they're putting in the work. And and that's a good thing, uh, Ham. You know, it, it's for for some of these kids, it's going to be putting in the the hard work, or putting in the smart work, or putting in the hard and smart work. There there has to be meaning that yeah, you can work really hard, but if you're not putting any mind into it, if you're not if you're not understanding why you're doing it, if you, if you're not able to apply it. And what I mean by that, Ham, is yeah, you can work in the gym with the coaches, you can work with the strength coaches, but there has to be you going to the gym and playing with it you got to play with the tool and just kind of mess around with it on your own and have fun and be vested in it in the fun because that's where the learning happens it happens with the coaches too but it also happens on your own that's why in my opinion I know we're kind of going off on a tangent but when you look around at playgrounds and different things you don't really see people there anymore and that that's that's where you got the the people who absolutely love the game and they come for because of the love of the game. I know that they're going to these workouts for the love of the game, but when you go to a workout and you're just constantly being instructed as opposed to you going and you kind of figuring a little bit of this out on your own, there has to be that uh, that part of it as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, again, talking to Willie Cauley-Stein last year, um, there was a point where he said, um, for the first like three months I'm here, I keep doing this. I, you know, coach tells me to go here and I keep doing it and I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. He's like, and then one day the light bulb goes on. I now understand Mm -hmm. why I'm going there. And once I understood that one time why I was going Mm -hmm. somewhere, then I looked at all of the other reasons I'm going other places, why I'm supposed to go here on this and why I'm supposed to go there on this. He's like, all of a sudden it was like, it was like a different world opened up to me. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing things on a basketball court that I never saw before. And it's the cause and the effect of player motion and player movement and and player positioning. And it's like, okay, 
now I get it. And talking to Brian Gates, uh, you know, he he brought up that exact point like a month ago. We're just spoon feeding these guys. You're doing this. You're doing this. You're doing this. He's like, now we're starting to have the players come to us and go, I I I know my own mistake. I know what I did, and I know why I did it wrong. And now I'm going to try to fix it. And that's where they're trying to get all of these young guys. And every player is going to take it at a different step. They're all going to figure it out at a different time. The epiphany is going to happen. Uh, you could have guys go out there and say, oh, yeah, I get it now. I get it. And they don't really get it. Um, and so I think it's I think it's a good thing. I think we're, we're making progress. And, I, you know, again, this season is about what's the end product? Where are we at towards the end of the season? How have the young players developed towards the end of the season? Um, and have they progressed throughout? And I think we're seeing progression. So I'm excited to see it. I, I like that it's a philosophical discussion in the middle of the season, but I think it's something that, that's well needed, and I, I tip my hat to, to Garrett Temple for sort of starting this whole mess. No doubt. When you, when you talk about Willie Colley-Stein and, and we talk about Scalabisi era, I, I see similarities because uh, you, you look at Willie, and I can remember when there were times when Willie would look lost out there on the defensive end, and now you're seeing Willie get there early. You're seeing help. You're seeing him do things that, you know, it, it looks like the game, what, what he says is he's seeing things, but in essence the game has slowed down because now you can observe while you're playing, so he's going, whoa, it's it's not moving so fast. I can see it. And when I look at Scow, Scow is kind of where Willie was in the fact that he, he things are moving fast for him. And, and I'll give you this example. And we haven't even talked about this, um, Ham, but I think you'll agree with me. He looked totally different when he went up to the G League. He, he looked like he was the one on the defense. He was there early. He's running over blocking shots. He's doing things that you want to see him do on the NBA floor. The problem is, Ham, is you got one guy in the G league who might be an NBA player. And in the NBA, you got 10 guys and they are all running around super fast, super athletic. And all of a sudden it's like a deer in the headlights and it takes time for the game to slow down so that you can start reading and all the different nuances that you practice and practice, you can apply to the court. It's not as easy as people think. I completely agree. All right. So we're, uh, we're done for the day, Doug. Uh, that's thanks, it. That's they, light work. That's man. it's what? light work. It's light lifting. Yeah, um, I'm going to point out a couple of things before we get off the show here. Um, number one, breaking news right now as we're sitting here on the podcast, it looks like John Gruden is getting a 10 year deal with the Oakland Raiders. Doug, a 10 year wow. deal, 10 million. Get out of here. Over a hundred million dollar deal with the Oakland Raiders. That's what's being reported right now. That's absolutely nuts. And the reason I bring that up is because Scott Bear, uh, our our Raiders insider, has been doing a yeoman's job of trying to keep up with this story. He had uh, he has Amy Trask on the podcast today. Um, you need to make sure that you're tuning in to all of our podcasts. Matt Mayako has done some incredible work. His ALS podcast this year was nuts. His hometown uh podcast with Jimmy Garoppolo going back to his high school and talking to his coaches was absolutely spectacular. So make sure to tune in to our other NBC Sports Bay Area, uh, NBC Sports California podcasts. They're absolutely wonderful. These guys are doing great work. Um, Doug, do you have any final thoughts? Hey, man, I appreciate it. I'm light work. I was just getting warmed up, man. You know, go Kate. <laughs> just, just getting warmed up. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Insider 
podcast on NBC Sports California. Thanks to Brian Gates for joining the first half of the show. Absolutely wonderful conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed that. We're going to get more assistant coaches. That's a good thing. Uh, So for Doug Christie, I am James Hamm. Thanks for tuning in to the Kings Insider Podcast. We'll see you very soon.